It's great to have the bird songs here for a visit on The Antidote. Thanks for coming. Our pleasure. Oh, thank you. Can each of you introduce yourselves and tell us your role in the band? My name is Benjamin Birdsong. I'm the oldest of the touring members of the Birdsongs, and I drive the bus, and I play guitar and uh, do uh, the principal songwriting and a lot of the lead singing, so I'm kind of the communicator for the band. I'm uh, Timothy Birdsong, and I play keys, guitar, and bass, and percussion. My name is Philip Birdsong, and I play drums and guitar and like to color. You also do production. And great producer. Yes. <laughs> Which means we're missing one member. We are. Colleen uh, wanted to be here, and she is feeling extremely ill. She spent yesterday with some sick little babies, and so it was for a good cause. My youngest sister's twin boys had shots and just weren't feeling well. So she's down for the count today, but she wishes she could be here. Now, don't be upset by this, but when I first heard of the band, I groaned and I thought, who in the world would dream up the band name The Bird Songs? <laughs> oh gosh it's german it, uh if you ever heard the name vogelsanger um that is the german version of the word birdsong and uh it's our last name i'm benjamin birdsong timothy birdsong philip birdsong and colleen birdsong and uh we've thought about changing it and everybody says what that's your last name but it's a talking point and once people get to know us they're more cool with it so we're, we're very personal as, as a band. We're a live band. We love meeting people grassroots style. So once people meet us and they get it, they're, they're cool with it. <laughs> so this means really you were destined to sing. Yeah, yeah. It's like whatever. Well, four of you are in the band, but tell us about the Birdsong family. How many of you are there? Well, there's, uh, there's nine of us. Um, <laughs> that is a big clan. Yeah, um, and grew up in Seattle, Washington, just south of Seattle, a little town called Auburn. We're just your normal family. Dad did custom cabinetry and finished carpentry, high-end stuff, you know, multi-million dollar homes. And mom was, you know, a stay-at-home mom. And then we got called to kind of the mission field, wanted to do something more with our lives. And so we sold our home there, moved out to Tennessee. And for a while there, after my oldest brother got married, um, you know, he was a bass player, banjo player, multi-instrumentalist, and sang as well. And um, he got married. His wife came on the road with us. And at one point, there was 11 of us traveling together. And uh, since then, God's kind of called them off the road to different avenues of work and different things like that, working in our home church and that kind of deal. So right now, the group is five of us, um, four of us on stage. And my, my wife is our manager, front of house, engineer, lighting designer, merchandise uh, executive producer. She's incredible. So she, she's here as well, but she's not wanting to talk much. So that's the five of us are kind of the bird songs now. What kind of stress did that create in your life to make that big move? At the time, it was a rush. It was, I, I don't think we could have done it again. I think God equips you when he, when he calls you to something crazy. And at the time, it was no big deal. Now I look back and I, I would hear about somebody else doing something so crazy and be like, please don't, not a good idea. But at the time, it seemed like the right thing to do. And maybe part of that was just growing up in Seattle. It's a very, very fast paced uh, city, very um, cold in a lot of ways, some wonderful people up there. We love them to death. But it, it seemed like God's plan for us, you know, he had a, a path laid out. Um, and it's led us to this point, and, and we're really, really grateful. 
There's something I find interesting about the Bird songs is that you guys aren't stuck into doing a single music style. I mean, sometimes it's deep and thoughtful. Sometimes it's light and bouncy. Yeah. And I can see how comparisons to Reliant K can be made when you have a song like Start the Dance Again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We started out, you know, at age three, four, five years old, listening to uh, Dad's record collection with Eagles, Journey, Boston, Led Zeppelin, um, and the Beatles. And one thing we noticed about all those guys is it seemed back then it was it was okay. It was totally cool to have a mandolin and an acoustic guitar in a song and to have a harpsichord on another song and to have a full symphony on another song. And it seems like today's music, with a few exceptions, mainstream, it's a very, very controlled sound to what's marketable, to what's happening at the moment. And with the record industry, not selling whole albums and just trying to figure itself out, uh, you know, safe pays the bills. And we're very thankful to be independent and to have a home studio. And we work with other producers, but it's on our terms. And so we really get to choose, okay, we want this song to say this. And so we want it to sound like this. And it's all everything. Every bit of it is pointing towards an imagery in the lyrics. So people don't care for the style of music. Maybe they need to give it a couple more listens and figure out that there's really a point to why that song sounds that way, why it sounds like it's coming from a particular era. Um, all of that is very, very thought out. It's not random at all. So I hope people give it a chance to listen more and understand why a song like God is Good sounds like mid-90s country, you know, because the man it's talking about, it's a true story, and that was the era he grew up in, and that was the music he liked, so it's an homage to him there's a, a slide guitar on it. So everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. It's not genre hopping for the sake of genre <laughs> hopping. It's, it's, a, it's a much deeper art form for us than that. And I hope people take the time to figure it out. Well, talk about when you guys actually started as kids. I mean, is this something that mom and dad forced you up onto stage? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we drugged them onto stage. Um, uh, there was a fiddle player um, named Luke Bulla who played for Lyle Lovett, Kevin Costner, and Ricky Skaggs. Um, and he was with a, a family band called the Bullas. Um, they used to play in Western Washington uh, a lot, and they're from North Carolina originally. And it just blew our minds that a mom and a dad could play with their kids. And uh, and they were playing acoustic music and, and that kind of stuff, and incredible musicians. And we were just like, we'd rather do this than Little League. Um, and we worked really hard and, and got a few songs together and started playing at nursing homes and retirement homes and little festivals around our town. And we had no idea it would blow up. You know, we never had auditions. We never thought about having other people involved with the band. It was just for us to tell our stories and for us to um, you know, show that kind of camaraderie and family. That's kind of rare. It's weird, but uh, it's just worked out and, uh, and we love it. Does this mean then that mom and dad were both into music then before you guys came onto the scene? Yeah, it's weird. They they both came from church backgrounds that were kind of anti-musical. Uh, their theology was one that the Bible doesn't talk about using musical instruments in the church. And we're like, yeah, it does, you know. And so they never encouraged us to even play an instrument. Um, but it was something that my my dad, I could tell he really loved and my mom you know, sang around the house all the time. There was always music in the house. So it was kind of a natural thing for us to to want to play. But then it was kind of like, well, then mom, you're going to play the bass and dad, you're going to play the guitar. And 
and they've come off the road now and uh and we love them to death they do a really good job being mom and dad and they're bluegrass festivals and it was just neat that you could play practically nothing and you could hang out with musicians and they they would just kind of accept you in they'd be great players and they'd be uh up and coming beginners and and you could just kind of enjoy playing music with people and that's kind of how we got our start and pretty soon we were sharing the stage with them and and it's weird that we've we've played at festivals where the people before us were Grand Ole Opry stars and the people after us were, you know, number one in the bluegrass world. And, but that's kind of how we started was as a bluegrass band. Um, <laughs> and then basically just morphed into, um, okay, well, we have this song, we have this story, we have this idea, you know, this song sounds like it needs a really, really heavy drum beat. This one sounds like it needs some electric guitars chunking along and it's just, it's like cooking, grabbing ingredients to make what you what you want at the end to serve to people. And hopefully it's going to be edible. Yeah. <laughs> you already mentioned about your dad being in the band, and I'd read that your brother Matthew was also in it. So, like, what happened? They gave you trouble and you threw them out? <laughs> yeah, we just kicked them out. Uh, <laughs> I guess to be really, really open and honest, uh, a lot of our family suffers from um, anxiety depression and i know that's kind of a buzzword uh, but it's a it's a daily battle and uh, one of uh, my oldest brothers he didn't feel comfortable getting on the bus anymore and he felt like uh, he felt like he wasn't the best self he could be when he was on the road at first it was you know him and his wife and his wife felt called to be off the road and and he followed about a year after and it was definitely the right decision uh, they have a beautiful little girl and uh and it's just a much more peaceful atmosphere. He's an awesome musician, but it's not for everyone. The road isn't for everyone. And I'm really, I really appreciate all the years he did spend on the road. And it was tough on him. Um, he's most comfortable in his home. And, and that's no, no shame on him. I didn't understand it at the time. And, you know, I'm learning people don't ask for these kind of infirmities. They don't ask for this kind of stress. It just kind of happens. And I'm thankful for the group that, that tours now that they do love it and they feel called to it. And, uh, and my dad, he kind of came off kicking and screaming. He'd, he'd still love to be out there. My, my youngest brother is, uh, he's what, 18. Yeah. And he's, uh, uh, very mentally challenged with schizophrenia, bipolar and autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And he needs 24 seven care and the, decided the best care for him was my dad kind of being his main caretaker. You know, it'd be cool to still be 11 of us out there touring. It'd be much easier for load in and sound check and tear down. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, you know. You have your laborers there to help <laughs> you <laughs> cart stuff, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's all built in. But, yeah, it, it's worked out this way, and, and God's really blessed it, and we just kind of want to, you know, let him write our story, and he knows what's best. I can understand that. The stress load of touring must be huge. It still must be huge just for the bunch of you that are on the road. Yeah, I mean, we we are lighting techs. We're the guys who go in there and we, we set up a room with trussing and, and lighting and set up our own line array system and we tune the system and we have a 40-channel digital board and we, we ring out the system and then we do our own sound check. We tune our instruments. We're working on our instruments. We're our own uh, guitar techs and, and instrument techs and keyboard techs. And then we play the show and then we spend as much time with uh, people who come out and fans. And 
and then we go and we tear it all down <laughs> we load it all up and then i jump behind the wheel and we drive to the next place um it's a lot of work but it, it's fulfilling and we used to overwork ourselves we're a little bit more judicious about how often we play because family is more important than a band <laughs> family is more important than ministry and we you know we don't want to be fake on stage and sometimes you can end up being fake if you don't have anything left to give so we want to make sure that we're recharging at home before we go out and play but it is exhausting but it's a lot of fun you're the kind of band that every venue sound guy wants to have because you just <laughs> give them the night off <laughs> we we are so spoiled my my wife she mixes on a midas console and she loves the flying faders and the colors and she's the one who delivers our sound to people and and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. She's she's mixed for Jonathan Kane, the, the keyboard player for Journey. We got to play as his backup band at a festival. And so she's mixed for Hall of Famers. And, you know, just um, we love that aspect of it as well. Just delivering very, very clear, uh, clean, full sound. That's a real part of our live show as well. Let's get back into talking about the music. The Bird Songs got my attention back in 2012 when you released the Journey Act 1, The Beginning. It had this killer single called Pieces, Hold On. The song was obviously meant to draw people to Christ. Is that mm -hmm. always the band's intention? It is. Uh, I can't imagine doing anything that could be any better. Um, the idea is the world has so many problems, and the way we see it is there is real hope, and we, we found it in Christ. But even if that's not where people come to, you know, we want people to know that we, we love them anyway. We want to just be kind. We want to be loving. We'll give you the shirt off of our, our back. We know we have uh, people all over the world who are Birdsong fans. Uh, they agree with our message. And it's good to know that there are people out there who really see other people and care about it. And so our music is kind of geared towards that. Will You Save Me is another song from The Journey Act One. One line of the lyrics says, I have no one to blame. I'm the cause of my every sorrow. I don't even recognize the face I hide. Now that isn't typical of today's society. Mm. You have so many people that want to blame someone else for their problems. Yeah, there's, there's a part of that. I, I think what I was trying to convey there is the responsibility of what you do next. You know, you, you kind of get what life hands you. You kind of get what comes down the pipe. But then there comes a point and it's like, well, what have I done with this? And you, a lot of times you find yourself very, very helpless in that situation where you're like, okay, well, how do I respond to this? At this moment, I'm not moving in a direction I want to move. And though there may have been abuse that brought you to that point, there may be uh, chemical imbalances, there may be um, just things beyond your control that have just pounded you down. There comes a point where you, you do realize that you just fighting back and white knuckling it by yourself on your own, you're going to run out of strength. And so the song is, I need somebody to help me here. I need somebody to rescue me from this idea that I can handle this alone. Um, and so I think blame back when I wrote it ha has a different connotation now. And so I would, I would replace that word blame with there's no one else responsible at this point for what I do. And I, I think people are responsible when they're, when they're hurting to humble themselves and go and find help. You know, that may be medication if they need that. They may be counseling if they need that. 
But the idea is don't just stay there being pounded down by life. Go and seek help. And we found that help to be in Christ and in, and select believers who are trustworthy. You know, not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. There are wolves. There are people who are not willing to listen. There are people who will just chew you up and spit you out. That's not what I'm talking about. There are people and you can just see that there there's a love inside of them that's beyond themselves, something something beautiful and supernatural. That's who we reach out for. We reach out for Christ in those people. And so that's kind of what the song is about, is getting help from something outside of yourself. We've been spending time speaking about the Journey Act 1, the beginning. Now you've just released round two, the Journey Act 2, the war. Well, it's been seven years between albums. It's making this sound like this is a long, long journey. Uh, Some of these songs uh, couldn't be written at the time after we'd finished the last album. And we've been through a lot as as a family, um, a lot of ups and downs. You know, members, uh, you know, leaving the group and being called to other things. Not only our own stories, but listening to a lot of the stories of other people who are suffering. Um, we needed to learn what the next album looked like. We needed to sit and listen and wait. It was hard to be patient, and we wanted to get right back in the studio. But we ended up meeting so many people and. I felt like I couldn't write just another pop punk album where my eyes were really on what does the industry want from me? What will be marketable? What's the next step so that we get more um, Facebook likes? And what's the next step to maybe getting signed to a record label? And I think God was kind of like, no, that's not the album I need from you. (laughs) And so, you know, at that time, you know, I got married the next year and my wife, had horrific abuse in her past and i needed to walk with her through that and and through that time uh different members of our family have um started dealing with things like uh, obsessive compulsive disorder and insomnia and and, you know you hear words like that and you're like oh that's a bummer for him you know but until you experience it yourself it's hard to talk with that vernacular it's hard to speak in terms that people resonate with And so it took seven years for us to learn how to phrase things in a way that people could get on board and go, that that feels like you know what I'm talking about. You know, that feels like you'll actually listen. I feel heard when you sing those lyrics. And for me, that's the whole goal is to make people feel like somebody else really does know what it feels like to be in their position. Um, And it blows my mind that the songs on this album people will come up and they'll say, it feels like you wrote it about this specific thing. And I, I won't, but as I look over at myself, I go, yeah, that is perfectly what would go with that struggle or that, that type of pain or that, uh, that calamity in your life. And so um, I was very, very helped by my wife taking time with me to, to get me away from the grid, get me off of the industry and just writing what was on my heart. And these songs have been on my heart for two decades, but I've been kind of hiding them, you know, because because they're not marketable. You know, they don't sound like the next big thing, but they are something I'm very, very proud of. The whole band is extremely proud of them. Uh, and it really represents us well. And if people don't like it, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I've grown to try to just be okay with, I'm proud of this album. And I think it will really help the people it's for. And... There are a bunch of other bands out there, and I'm really proud of them, too. And I'll push them that way. If you like 
if you like that, go check out this band. If you're into that, go check out these guys. But I think we're comfortable with who we are as mm-hmm. a band, which is all over the place musically. And we're, we're okay with that. So the situation you've described, is that how war has tied into the title? Yeah, it was uh, the idea that kept coming up in our struggle with this idea of there's not a quick fix. There are so many things we can numb with. There are so many things we can put a, a Band-Aid on, something that's a, a gaping wound or even a cancer. And that's a tough thing in Christianity. You've got so many self-help books. And there's very few people out there saying, well, if you really look at God's Word, the people there, they suffered and they endured because of a hope that was set before them. And, and so, you know, opening the Bible and looking at these New Testament stories of these people who went through so much, and then you look at today's idea of, you know, you can do it, you know, here's how you do it, just, you know, make this money or do this or do that. And I'm going, that's not what's here. You know, this isn't sustaining. There isn't joy here. And so writing songs that tell people it's okay to suffer, that you're not less of a person because you have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, you know, that you're suffering from what somebody else did to you years ago, that trauma is real, that Christianity doesn't just come in to make all that go away, but it gives you a point and a purpose in it. The song uh, Break My Heart says there's a healing in this storm. And that's not like a faith healer, Benny Hinn type of thing. There's a strength to go on, to take the next breath, to take the next step and be sustained by something outside of ourselves. So that's the common theme of what war looks like. It's taking the next step. It's taking the next breath because there is a point. There is a purpose to life. Let's talk about one of those songs that does share about that suffering because the Journey Act 2 has this really emotional song called Wondering How It Feels. And part of the lyrics go, She's all alone tonight. No so-called friends in sight. And the silent screams have never been so loud. There's not a thing she hasn't tried to fill the emptiness inside. She's just wondering how it feels to be loved. Well, many people use social media to try to fill that kind mm-hmm. of void. I've been trying to figure it out. Um, it, it seems like people are using social media to pull. It, there's something exciting about pulling people down. There's something exciting about protecting yourself with coming up with sarcastic or, or painful, uh, demeaning humor. Isn't there a certain president that does that? <laughs> I agree. I agree. Shoot, <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a tough spot. And I feel like that's a, a self-protection. You can read through a kind comment and it's just, it's no big deal. That person feels weak to us as a society because it, it takes a lot of humility to be kind. It takes a lot of, of patience and, and, and feeling what other people feel, empathy, you know, towards people to, to be kind. And on our social media, the person who can get a laugh even at other people's expense, you know, so we know that there are people who are hurting, who their way of, you know, feeling better about themselves is to give us a bad review or to say that some video we do stinks. And, and the idea is they hate us not because of us, they hate us because they hate themselves. And they just even think about that is too painful. So they will push that down and pull others down to their level so they feel more comfortable. And I'm trying to get to a point where I don't feel that as an attack on me as a person, but that I can love them through that 
And so we're going to continue to put out positive music and the positive message and try to just see that person at that keyboard at that time is in a very dark place, in a very lonely place, and just wondering how it feels to be loved. And so this song is kind of about them, you know, people who have family issues, people who have uh, maybe they don't feel pretty enough. They don't feel like they have the intellect enough to be successful. And we want to say, hey, we don't either. <laughs> but we're, but we, we, we want to reach out to you and we can be friends and we can get through this life together. I really got into the album Single Reality, and it speaks about revealing your inner self without being afraid and about being open about your feelings. All of us, you know, especially guys, have a really tough time being that honest. So how do you do it? Ouch. Um, uh, it, it's like embracing. I heard one, I think it's Brene Brown in a TED Talk, uh, described it as being okay with discomfort. Uh, we numb with comfort. We numb with Netflix. We numb with alcohol. We numb with drugs. We numb with video games that take 600 hours to complete. And all of these things are okay. All these things are, except drugs. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. What I mean is like, they're not the problem. The problem is the part of ourselves that is just incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and that part needs to be shared instead of just stuffed down. And so a song like Reality is saying, hey, there's something really broken in me and I'm not going to defend against it anymore. I'm not going to say it, you know, that it's just some little thing you did anymore. I'm going to say I'm not okay and that's okay. And there are so many cliches in this album, but if they're true, I say say them. <laughs> Even if the people need to hear them one more time. Being not okay and being okay with that, and that can give you the confidence to, to find real joy in life and joy in, in community that's also broken. We've been speaking about the Journey Act 2 war, and I guess really no film ever has only two acts, and I'm guessing that also applies to your music. What are plans for Act 3? You know, I there was talk about Act 2 when we did Act 1, and so there, there will probably be an Act 3, but honestly, this album, Act 2, has taken two and a half years from the first writing session till uh, we got our masters back and and with we're just really happy that it's finally out and we're not really even thinking about the next album yet so most likely if not the next album there will be an act three lord willing mm -hmm. um but that's probably more on philip's radar <laughs> yeah I'm, i just look around for different ways of releasing music and and messing with just kind of how people do things so Act three could be, you know, a live album. It could be, um, my idea would be the journey act three, the finale or the end or something like that. We don't so, really know yet. So mm -hmm. that kind of imagery, if you think about it, it's kind of like, what would that look like? You know, cause as, as we go through life, you know, we're looking, you know, ahead, you know, and as Christians, we're looking forward to the day when Christ comes back, you know, or we go to be with him. There's always stories. There's always things going on. So it's hard to like put a pin in it and be like, all right, story's done. You know, let's go do something else. Um, but more just kind of maybe finding a way of sort of putting the icing on the cake of sort of that whole story yeah. uh, of our life. So it could be a little bit of anything. So yeah. we're, we're still brainstorming that. Yeah. In other words, we're open to whatever the next chapter of our ministry looks like. And we're going to enjoy act two and this season. And we love playing these songs live and, and I'm going to guess 
we'll hear more stories and and get more of an idea of of what the next season of the Birdsong's ministry and, and band looks like. And then we'll write that. We've learned a lot on this album. So uh, it'll be a lot easier and hopefully a lot quicker to put out an act three <laughs> when that we get the green light on that. And what about the journey act two? Is it going to change the world? I think if one person gets it and it's really meant something to them and God's used it as a tool in their life, our work is completely and totally complete in our mind. And we believe that through radio, through internet, through streaming music, that it will end up in the hands of the people who need it. You know, and even in, in the genre hopping, we have some really dear friends who are just acoustic folk rock nuts. You know, they love that. And so we're hoping they enjoy some of the songs off the album. And uh, We've been Hawk Nelson and ryan k fans forever and we've gone to all the shows and so we hope they enjoy that and so a lot of this album is for like our own personal friends and fans as opposed to just reaching out for a market it's real authentic music that we love that you know are for the people that we love you know i remember back in early 2000s and it's just like whatever people wanted to create you could access it in common ways to receive christian music it's just really kind of shut down. It seems like album has kind of given way to content, maybe YouTube or uh, those types of things. And, and we're not really good at that. We're still album people. We had producers who were just really, we don't understand where you guys are going with this. Basically, this album is going to be a playlist of like when you're driving down the road and you're just flipping and you find songs that mean something to you, songs that catch your ear. One song may be on a country station, the next song may be on a pop station, the next one may be on an oldie station, uh, but it's not about those stations, it's not about the genres, it's just about, does that song mean something to somebody, and can you get on board? And that's the important yeah, so part. That, and it may feel weird, you know, I'm sure we're going to get bad reviews, and a lot of people aren't going to get it, because, you know, the first couple songs are pop punk, and the third song is, sounds like Nickel Creek. It sounds like Mumford and Sons. And that's intentional. The idea is the first two songs are like, you know, let's go and get them. You know, we're standing up strong. And the third song is about a defeat. You know, the third song is about being okay with just being washed up and being tired. You know, so there, there's a musical shift that happens in the album that's supposed to feel lonely. It's mm -hmm. supposed to feel sparse. Uh, and so I hope people hang on to try to follow that line of ideas musically through it. We're not trying to just shake things up, you know, mm -hmm. we're just trying to create, it's almost like a Broadway play, yeah. you know, uh, a lot of Broadway plays will shift musically, very, very diverse. We're trying to tell that story. And the story is hope in the midst of suffering, basically, to sum it up, and endurance through that suffering. And so we're not looking for it to, to change the way a culture looks, but I perceive that there will be pinpricks of light in the world. Uh, because of our faithfulness in this album. And those pinpricks of light are going to grow as those people are changed to to move uh, into the people around them. So it may not be a big, loud change that we can see or perceive, but I think in secret places and conversations, uh, I think the music will be used to help express that there is hope in very, very dark places. Before we started this interview, I was mentioning about all the snow on the ground, and it's really put me into sort of a Christmassy oh, no. mood. <laughs> and the bird songs recorded a really popular Christmas song for you guys a couple of years ago. 
How about introducing it to close off the antidote? Oh, man. That was uh, God Rest You Married Gentlemen. I actually found Bingo. it um, a while back on a blog thing. Somebody had done a big playlist kind of Christmas show. And I was just scanning through. I was like, oh, wow. They played our stuff with like Demon Hunter and Thousand Foot and Old Reliant K, the 12 Days of Christmas. So, it yeah, this up, one's a rocking one. I it, like it. It ended up being the top three most played Christmas music and Christian music. I couldn't believe it because it was up there with some really soft and more chill stuff. Yeah. But I heard the lyrics to the song. I'm like, this needs to be an anthem. I mean, why aren't we marching to this? And so I wrote a second verse to it that I think summed up what the other verses were trying to say. So the second verse is original, and I hope you guys like it. And you did the best version ever done thank of the you. song. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for coming for this talk, and best of success with the band and your ministry. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll make it up to Canada soon. Woo! Woo!